And well, at this time, I want to introduce our speaker. Um, Brother Ed Loney is a good brother in the Lord, very, very like-minded. We were talking uh, about the fact that we have a lot, of, a lot in common. We're both picky eaters. Uh, we learned that yesterday, and uh, we're, we're both not big coffee drinkers. And so, um, and uh, but I appreciate his heart for the Lord, his uh, love for preaching the Word of God. And um, we got to visit with him a little bit yesterday evening. Uh, we got to enjoy a meal together and uh, just learned a little bit more about him and his family. And he has uh, a wonderful wife who's expecting their third daughter. They have two daughters already under the age of three, right? Is that three and under? Um, and then have one more on the way. So they're going to have these three little girls running around their house for a little while. And uh, so... Uh, but I appreciate his his wife and daughters letting Brother Ed come this weekend and ministering to us. And and so as he comes, uh, let's uh, let's hear him gladly. Let's uh, receive the word gladly this this morning, and uh, and not just receive it, but let's not just be hearers but doers of the word. Brother Ed, go ahead and come, brother. There's a water under here for you. I haven't touched it, so it's not contaminated. <laughs> and uh, enjoy and. Uh, Let's hear him gladly. Hey, man, if you have your Bible, it's going to be in Job chapter one this morning. Job chapter one. I heard some of you grunt when he said I was not a coffee drinker. Don't stone me this morning, all right? <laughs> I said, they're not going to listen to me preach if they know I don't drink coffee. I tell people all the time, I do not eat healthy, but I drink healthy. I'll let y'all figure that one out, all right? But I have enjoyed being here uh, with you all this weekend. I enjoyed the youth rally. I know it's been uh, much said about that and will be much said uh, tonight as well. But I'm just thankful to have a small part in it. I, I can tell when I when I came on the property that there was already much work that took place before I ever got here. And I just want to commend your church family uh, for being a part. I always enjoy when I go uh, to a church and I see a lot of members involved a lot of people involved. And I certainly saw that yesterday. So it was a refreshing and encouragement to me to see that. I just want to commend you as a church family for having all hands on deck uh, yesterday. It was just a blessing for me to see. But Job chapter one, Job chapter one, we're going to begin reading in verse nine. Job chapter one in verse nine. The Bible says, then Satan answered the Lord and said, doth Job fear God for not? Has not thou made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the works of his hands and the substance is increased in the land. Put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. And there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking in their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them and the Sabians fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword and I only am escaped alone to tell them. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, fire, the fire of God is fallen from heaven and have burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, the Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away, yea, and have slain the servants with the edge of the sword. 
and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshiped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. I believe what the Lord would have me to preach this morning um, is this message that I've entitled, What Will You Do When Your Day Comes? What will you do? When your day comes, I went back and forth this morning, but I believe the Lord has really settled it in my heart. And even before I come up and preach, the congregation singing is it is well with my soul. That was not coordinated. Uh, so I believe this is really what the Lord has settled in my heart. So what will you do when your day comes? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Then we'll get started. Father, we thank you once again for the opportunity that we've had to be here in your house this morning. And God, we thank you for what we've already experienced in the Sunday school hour and uh, throughout this weekend with the young people as well. And Father, I'm asking that you'll place your hand upon me as I preach your word. Uh, this morning. God, you certainly know that this is not an easy message for me to preach, but God, I believe this is what you would have me to say today. So God, I pray that you just empty me of myself and fill me with your spirit, God, and speak through me this morning. God, I pray that you would speak to the hearts of the individuals that are here today. God, I pray that you'll speak to them in a way that only you can. Father, I pray that you'll guide me as I'm preaching. God, help me not to say anything that does not need to be said. Help me to say it in the right way and in the right spirit through your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray just help us. I pray that anyone here this morning is not sure they're saved. I pray they will not leave here without getting that settled. And Father, but for those of us who are saved, I trust that we will leave here closer to you than when we came. Help us now for these next few moments. We give the praise and honor for your name we do pray. Amen. As we read throughout our Bibles, one thing that we must remember is that the Bible that you hold in your lap this morning, it was not given to us in chronological order. Simply meaning that though Genesis is the first book of the Old Testament, it does not mean that Genesis was the first book that was written by a man and inspired by God. You know, though Job may be the 18th book in our Bibles, many theologians believe that Job was the first book that was penned and inspired by Almighty God. When we get to the book of Job, we see the story of a man that has been broken down by the trials that are coming into his life. We see a man that has literally, he's literally hitting rock bottom in his life. The story of Job is a book that many people run to in search of some type of encouragement or something that they can cling to when they are having a trial or having a hard time in their life. Can I tell you this morning that I don't think that it is a coincidence that Job was one of the first books that was penned and inspired by Almighty God. I believe that God wanted us to know very early on that it is possible for a man, woman, boy, or girl to go through a trial, to go through a difficult time, to go through hardship, and still get out of that trial on the other side, just as God intended for us to get out. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 12, he said, Beloved, think it not strange concerning these, these fiery trials which are to try you, as though some strange thing has happened unto you. Look, mankind has been experiencing trials. Mankind has been experiencing pain. We have been experiencing trouble since Genesis chapter 3 when sin entered into the world. And what Peter is saying right here, he says, hey, when trouble comes to your life, when that trial comes knocking at your door, he's saying, don't look at it as if it's something strange, as though some strange thing has happened unto you. Every man, every woman, every boy and every girl, at some point in time in their life, they will experience trouble and they will experience a trial. You see, when we get to the early part of Job chapter number one, everything is going well in Job's life. 
Job is living well. He's the greatest man in all the East. East, his children are doing well. But in verse number 13, the Bible says, and there was a day. And there was a day. And there was one day in Job's life that changed everything for Job. And I want to tell you this morning that at some point in time, every man and every woman, at some point in time, you will have your day. You're going to have your day. Now, your day may not be like my day, and my day may not be like your day, but mark it down. Everybody's going to have a day at some point in time. I'm talking about that day where, where, where your faith is going to be challenged, that day where your integrity is going to be challenged, that day where your belief in God is going to be challenged. Uh, preachers, on this day, we're going to find out if you really believe what you've been preaching. Counselors, on this day, we're going to see if you can take heed to your own counsel that you gave to someone else when they had their day. I'm, I'm talking about that day where something happens in your life that absolutely crushes you, that breaks your heart. I'm talking about the day where you just want to stop and ask God, God, why is this happening to me? Now, I know some of you came in this Sunday morning with your halos on real tight. And you're probably sitting here right now and you're saying, I would never question God. Keep living. And, and, and let me just say this. It is not a sin to ask God why. It's not a sin to question God. Look, if it were a sin to question God, then Jesus himself would be a sinner. And we know that's not true, right? What, what, did, what did he cry out on the cross? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So it is not a sin to ask God why. The, the problem comes in your response to God when you get the answer. Or in your response to God when you don't get the answer that you wanted. Or sometimes we've all been here before when you get no answer at all. So my question this morning is for all of us to consider what will we do when our day comes? When trouble and trials come to our life as believers, how will we respond? You know, I grew up playing basketball and I was telling the teenagers yesterday that just probably, I don't know, nine or ten weeks ago, I tore my Achilles. So I used to say basketball is my favorite sport to play. Now I say it's my favorite sport to watch. All right? But I grew up playing basketball. From the time I was in the Boys and Girls Club all the way through college, I played basketball. And I enjoyed playing the game. One thing that we did, especially when I got to high school and college, our coach would always, in practice, divide us up into two teams, and we would scrimmage each other. And the coach would set up scenarios in practice so we could be ready for it in the game. So I, I've never, when I was in college, I never came up the court and looked at the defense and said, I've never seen that one before. <laughs> you know why? Because my coach has set up, okay, this is a 3-2, this is what we do when it's a 3-2. This is a 2-3, this is what we do. A half-court press, a full-court press, this is what play we run. So we're not looking over at the coach every second and saying, what do we do, coach? Look, we went over this in the game, I mean, in practice, so we could be prepared once we got into the game. Now, the Bible tells us that, yea, that all that live godly in Christ Jesus, you shall suffer persecution. So we in practice, we knew that in game time, opposition was coming. And because we knew the opposition was coming, we planned accordingly. Well, the Bible has already told you ahead of time, opposition's coming. And if we know that opposition is coming, we must ask ourselves, what do we do when it comes? How do we plan for when trouble comes into our life? I want to give you Three practical things before we look into the life of Job that I believe can help us when our day comes. The first thing that I believe will help us is to know that your day cannot come unless God allows it. Your day cannot come unless God allows it. Now, the devil 
may have came and blindsided Job. But let me tell you who he did not blindside. He didn't blindside God. Look, God was not in heaven scratching his head and biting his nails saying, I can't believe the devil is doing this. Look, look, God, look now, God allowed the devil to go into Job's life. So before you get to your day, just remind yourself that nothing can happen in your life unless God allows it. See, God has a hedge, as we learn in Job chapter one. God has a hedge around all of his children, and the devil cannot get through that hedge unless God lifts it and gives him access. Now, I want you to think about this just for a moment. The devil goes to God and says, hast thou not a hedge about him? Now, we got to be very careful when we start talking about God-like attributes. We cannot give those to the devil. So when I say that God is omnipotent, that means God has all power. Only God is that. The devil is not all powerful. When I say that God is omnipresent, that means God is everywhere at the same time and the same degree. So we're meeting with God right now in Moore, Oklahoma. And guess what my church family is doing in Jacksonville, Arkansas? They're meeting with God. It's not saying they have half of God in Arkansas and we have half of God. No, they have all of God in Arkansas while we have all of God in Oklahoma. Only God is that. And when I say God is omniscient, that means God has all knowledge. God has all power. He's all knowing. Only God has that. Now, this is not a very deep theological study this morning. How in the world did the devil know that there was a hedge around Job's house if only God is all knowing? The only way he could have known if he had went there before. I believe that there was another day where the devil went to the house of Job and he tried to get access into Job's life. He tried to get access into Job's family and God lowered the hedge and says, no, you can't have access. This is my child. Stand down. But when we get to Job chapter one, for some reason, God, he lifts the hedge and he gives the devil access. Look, we don't know how many days. God restricted the devil from coming to the house of Job. But we only know about this day when God allowed him to come. Look, we don't know how many times God has stopped the devil from doing things. If God would unleash the devil, no one, none of us would be here right now. The only reason we're here is because there's a hedge around us and God is shielding us from the attacks of the devil. So may God help us that on the day where God gives the devil access, may God help us to not forget that could have been hundreds, if not thousands of days where the devil tried to access you and God restricted him. So look now, let's not fall out with God over one day that he gave him access when he's blocked thousands. So when your day comes, you got to remind yourself your day cannot come unless God allow unless God allows it. Second practical thing, if God allows it, that means you can handle it. If God allows it, that means you can handle it. Now, I don't I don't mean to be insensitive. I know in a crowd this size, there are some people that's gone through some challenging things. And I don't mean to be insensitive. But Job didn't have this promise, but we do. God has promised us as believers that he would not put more on us than we can bear. So if God allowed a trial to come in your life, God in his all all knowing power. He he knew that what was coming to your life, you could handle it. So be very careful when the trial comes into your life and you say things like, I can't deal with this and I can't handle this and I can't be very careful because if you couldn't handle it, God would not allow it into your life. I remember about four years ago, my wife and I, we went through a very challenging time. We had a hard day. And we have two girls now, and we have another little one on the way. But my wife was expecting our first son. 
And she went into premature labor at about 23 weeks pregnant, and our son did not survive. If you would have told me before that day came that that day was coming, I would have told you I can't help it. To think that there's going to be a day where I have to buy a casket for my son before I even buy a crib for a child. I said, no, I can't. I can't deal with that. But God knew what we could handle. And every step of the way, God, he walked me through. it. He walked my wife through. He walked us through it and he saw it. So when your day comes, remind yourself that your day cannot come unless God allows it. If God allows it, that means you can handle it. The third practical thing. If God is walking with you on your day, you'll be just fine. If God is walking with you on your day, you'll be just fine. Now, Job, he could not sense it every step of the way, but God never left him. Aren't you glad that we serve a God that promised to never leave us nor forsake us? When, when, you're at, when you get down to your lowest point, even in the valley, your shepherd is still guiding you through that valley. I'm glad that I serve a God that can meet me right where I am. If God's walking with you on your day, you'll be just fine. You remember the story of those three Hebrew boys? Remember that story? They got thrown into that fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They, they, they turned the furnace up so hot that the men that were throwing them in, they dropped it. Now, think about this. We love to jump to the chapter where the fourth man showed up and Nebuchadnezzar looks down and says, didn't I we throw three men in the fire? Now I see four and one of them looks like the son of God. But look now, this is what I want you to understand. God did not just show up with them when they got in the fire. God walked in the fire with them. Look, look, if God was not with them before the fire, they would have dropped dead just like the other men. You know what I believe happened? I, be I believe God came down to those three Hebrew boys, wrapped his arms around them. He said, come on, fellas, let's go. I'm, I'm going to walk through this thing with you. If he didn't, they would have dropped dead. God was protecting them on the way in. Let me tell you, if you're a child of God, whatever trouble comes your way, whatever trial comes your way, God, he'll put his arms around you. He's not going to let you walk through it by yourself. He'll walk through that trial. He'll walk through that trouble. He will walk through it with you. May God help us to be like Job when trials come. Job simply said, the Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And the Bible says, in all this, Job sinned not nor charged God foolishly. Look, he had the right perspective. You know, you know what's something that's absolutely amazing? It, just, just by sitting here this morning in this sanctuary, in this country, we all have more than what we deserve. There are people all over this world right now that cannot do what we're doing right now with no resistance. And we come in here with no problem. At just as Americans and as believers, we all have more than what we deserve. Here, here's the amazing thing. Though we have more than what we deserve, very rarely do we complain about getting extra. <laughs> if, 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 your, if your supervisor came to you and said, I've been watching you, you've been doing a great job. And because you've been doing such a great job, I'm going to give you a, a, a $30,000 raise. You say, oh, no, don't do that. I'm, I'm fine. All my bills are paid. We're doing just fine. If you would do that, see me at the service. I'll give you my account and routing number. You can send it to me. <laughs> but look, we don't, if we don't complain, look now, if we don't complain in the giving, when we get extra, let's not complain in the taking. Because here's the truth. It came from the same hand. The same God that gave is the same God that takes. May we be able to say, as Job said, blessed be the name of the Lord. Job had some character. Job was a man that had character. Now, before a trial, 
comes into someone's life. We know the Bible says the trying of your faith work is patience. So let patience have a perfect work in you that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Before a trial makes you better, and that's the purpose of a trial, before it makes you better, it reveals what you already are. Before a trial ever makes you better, it reveals what you already are. Early in the, in the story of Job, we see what type of man Job was. In verse number one, we see that Job was a perfect man. I said there was a man in the land of us whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright, one that feared God and eschewed evil. Now, of course, we know that word perfect is not saying sinless. Job, being a man, he had the same sinful nature as we all have, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. So Job had the same sinful nature that we all have. So it's not saying he had never sinned before, but this is what it is saying. Job had a good testimony. Look, no one could say, Job, you're having this day because of this. Listen to me very closely. Even godly people have problems. I'm going to say it again because somebody may have lied to somebody. Even godly people have problems. Look, if somebody told you that you're going to get saved, you're going to go to church, you're going to read your Bible, you're going to pray, and you're not going to have no more problems, you need to go back past go and collect your $200 for the Monopoly players, right? <laughs> Some of y'all that just went, all right? But look, 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 even godly people, even people that spent all day on a Saturday with a bunch of teenagers that stunk the whole sanctuary up and then still get up early and come to Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, even those people have problems. We see very early on that God himself said, Job is a just man. It was God that recommended Job for the child to the devil. He said, hast thou considered my servant Job? So the Bible told us that he was a perfect man. God himself told us that he was a perfect man. And Job still had problems. Even godly people have and not only was he a perfect man, he was a praying man. Early in this chapter, we see Job praying and he's interceding on his children every day. He's praying for his children. Look, Job is praying before the trial came. Now, this is what a lot of us do. When the trouble comes, then we break down and get on our knees. Say, oh, God, I need you today. Listen to me very closely. You need God on your best day just as much as you need him on your worst day. Before Job's day ever came, he was down on his knees and he was praying. Job was a perfect man. Job was a praying man. But Job was also a prepared man. When you read through this chapter, it says he's the greatest man in all the East. Wealthiest man. You read through the chapter, you see that his children, they, they have their own houses. He prepared for them financially. He prepared for them spiritually. He's praying for them. He, he, he prepared them socially. Look, they are, they are grown children and they still interacting with their siblings. For some of us, that's a miracle. <laughs> Look, if a parent raised their kids and they still get along when they're grown, somebody did something right. Personal testimony. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so he was a prepared man. But look now, though Job was a praying man, though he was a perfect man, though he was a prepared man, that does not mean Job would be a man that had no problems. Look now, all of that in his day still came. So we saw Job's character, but then we're going to see Job's chaos. Job's chaos. I'll just kind of summarize this for you quickly. When Job's day came, a messenger came to Job and informed him that the Sabians came and stole all the oxen and killed the servants. While that messenger is speaking, another messenger comes and says, fire from heaven fell and killed all the servants and the sheep. Then the Chaldeans came and stole the camels and killed the servants. Then another servant comes and says, there was a great wind that came. And while your children were sitting and eating and drinking in the house, the house fell down and killed all your children. Now all of your children are dead. And then after that, the Bible says 
that Job shaved his head, he rent his mantle, he fell down, he worshiped, and he said, the Lord gave, the Lord has taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, I want to stop right here for a second. Because for those of you who are somewhat familiar with this story, Job's children dying, was it the first trial that came to his life? No. Sabians came, Chaldeans came, fire from heaven fell, oxen are gone, camels are gone. More trials. Was this the last trial that came? No, in the very next chapter, he's going to be covered in boils from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. So if this was not the first one and it was not the last one, what was it about his children dying that caused him to fall down and worship and say, the Lord gave, the Lord has taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Can I tell you, as you examine chapter one, you'll never see Job down on his knees praying, God, can you please make me the greatest man in all the earth? You'll never see Job down on his knees saying, God, can you give me a bunch of oxen? Can you give me a bunch of camels? Can you give me a bunch of seat? Can you give me a bunch of service? But when we read throughout Job chapter one, we see a man that is down on his knees. And what is he praying every day? He's saying, God, can you put a hedge around my children? God, can you just protect my household? Can you protect my family? And now we see that God has given the devil access to the one thing that Job was praying over. Can I ask you a question this morning? How would you respond if God gave the devil access to the one thing that you may have said in your mind and in your heart was off limits? Say, God, you can, you can have this, you can have the house, you can have the car, but God, don't touch my spouse. You can have the house, you can have the car, but don't touch my children. What if God gave the devil access to the one thing you've been praying over? I'm sharing a personal testimony. I prayed the morning of my son dying. God, keep my wife safe. Keep the baby safe. Help us to have a healthy baby. Still can't. What are you going to do when God lifts the hedge and gives the devil access? I, I want you to hear me very closely. The next one we're going to talk about is having clarity in your trial. When you can keep focus on God throughout your trial, when you get to the end, you'll see God in a way like you've never seen him before. You, you see, like, go to Job 38. Go to Job chapter 38. And while you're turning there, I want you to remember how Job's children died. A great wind came, knocked the house down, and all of his children have died. Now, in Job 38 and verse number one, through, up until this whole chapter, Job's been trying to get an answer from God, and God has been silent. And now in Job 38, God is going to speak for the first time. And look at verse one. The Bible says, then the Lord answered Job out of the what? Whirlwind. How did his children die? Great wind came, knocked the house down, and all his children. How does God break the silence in Job's life through the same thing that hurt him the most? I'm telling you that if you keep your focus on God, you can hear the voice of God in the very same thing that's hurting you. But you can't run from him in your trial. You got to run to him. Job, he had some chaos. He had some character. Then Job, he had some clarity. He has some clarity throughout the book of Job. There are some profound statements that are mentioned in this chapter, in this book. And the one we read this morning, the Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job, Job said, um, I, till, till I die, I will not remove mine integrity. Job would say, shall we expect good at the hand of the Lord and not evil? Job said, I know my redeemer lives. Job said some amazing statements 
throughout the chapter. We see that at moments he had some spiritual clarity. If you can maintain the same clarity that you had of God before the trial, if you can maintain that during the trial, you will see God in a way like you've never seen him after. I'm going to say it again. If you can maintain the same clarity of God that you had before the trial, during the trial, you will see God in a way like you've never seen him after the trial. Oh, you're in Job 38. Flip over a couple pages to verse 40, chapter 42. Chapter 42. Look down at verse number five. Job's on the other end of it now. Look at what he says. He says, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. This is what he says. But now mine eye seeth thee. <laughs> he, he's gotten to the other side. He says, God, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. But after all of this has taken place, after all of this trial, after all of this trouble, he says, now mine eye seeth thee. There are some things that you can hear that will not affect you the same way until you see it. You may hear that somebody say, well, well God will be there with you on your day. But wait till your day comes and you sense him there. It's going to be different. He said, I've heard of you. I heard you were a good God. I heard you were a gracious God. I heard you were a merciful God. I heard you were a God that would never leave me nor forsake me. But now, God, I'm not just going off of what someone else said. I've experienced it in my own life. Now my eye have seen thee. Job had some clarity. He had some chaos. He had some character. Job also had some companions. He had some companions. Job had four friends that are mentioned in this book, if that's what you want to call them. He had four friends. The best thing that they did for Job was stay quiet for seven days. Because the moment they opened their mouth, they inserted their foot. And let me, we, we're living in a time right now where everybody wants to be a counselor. And let me just help those of you who are just striving to be a counselor. If you don't know what to say, don't say anything at all. And the church said, <laughs> look, you know, there's people that try to come up with things to say, and then they just end up making the situation worse. <laughs> look, look, let me tell you what, Job. You know, this, this is why this is happening. Because in our natural minds, we're trying to rationalize why this is happening. That's what his friends are trying to do. They come to some conclusions. They said, Job, this is happening to you because you've sinned. If you just repent and turn from your wicked ways, God will release the judgment. After God said he was perfect and upright. Feared God is shooting. They, they said, Job, you have cheated the poor. They said, Job, you didn't feed the hungry. Look at you, boy. With all this money, you ain't helped nobody. <laughs> said, Job, you mistreated the widows and the orphans. They, didn't, they jumped all the way to the New Testament and said, you ain't a good deacon. They said, Job, you are guilty of foolish speaking. You're guilty of false righteousness. Look, you've been walking around here like you better than everybody else. Now look what's happening to you. Repent, Job, and turn from your wicked ways. And God, will. they preached a good message to the wrong person. Joe will respond to his friends. He said this. He said, miserable comforters are you all. <laughs> Joe said, you are as physicians with no value. <laughs> Dr. Wilmington, he said, according to Joe's friends, he said, perhaps at no other Bible conference in history have so many preachers preached to so few in attendance where the congregation enjoyed it less. <laughs> They're all sitting down. Job is the only one in the congregation and preacher after preacher is coming preaching to him. Repent, repent. And then, of course, we can't leave out his wife, can we? Mrs. Job. She says, curse God and die. Now, I know we're oftentimes hard on her, but let me just remind you, she's having a day, too. 
She's lost her children, too. She's lost everything. She's having a day as well, but she's responding differently at this moment. You know, see, on her day, she's responding more like the devil than she is like God. So how in the world can you say that? You know how? She's telling her husband to do what the devil said he would do. Remember what the devil told God? Does Job got fear God for not? He says, touch what he has. He'll do what? He'll curse you to your face. The devil touches it, and his wife says, curse God and die. I, I imagine that she is shouting to her husband what the devil is whispering in his ear. Curse God and die. Look, one thing you have to guard yourself from on your day are those whispers. You better guard yourself. Look, this, this is why it's so important to surround yourself with good godly people. The Bible says iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. When a trial comes, you may have some days where you're doubting, where you're questioning, and you need that friend beside you to say, God is still good. He's still on the, on the throne. He's not leaving you. He didn't forsake you. Someone that can validate what you knew was true about God before the day came instead of validating the doubts that you're having on that day. Curse God and die. Can I be honest with you this morning? When my day came, I was having some whispers. I'm telling you, I was having some. I was preaching around the country, still having whispers. Look, look at you, Ed. You, you're doing all that preaching. That's how God rewards you. Whisper. Can I be honest? Look, look at you. All your other siblings, they had children out of wedlock. You tried to do it the right way. Look what happened. Their kids are healthy. Look at yours. Can I be honest? You know what helped me on my day? My wife. She said, God knew. She said, I know you did everything that you could. She said, well, it'll be fine. Validated what I knew was already true about God instead of the whispers that I was getting in that moment. That's why it's important to have a good church family. Because trials are going to come, but you can have somebody that come alongside you and aid you and walk you through those trials. Job had clarity. Job had chaos. Job had character. Job had some companions. Then lastly, and I promise you, the landing gear is down. We're not going to circle the runway. But Job, he had some complaints. Some say, oh, yeah. Job had some complaints. We don't talk about this much. But for over 30 chapters, read, read Job and his discourse with his friends. And even in his own mind, his own heart, he's having some complaints. Look, I, I guarantee you the majority of the, of the messages that you hear from the book of Job is in Job chapter one or chapter 42. You know why? Because we don't understand what happened in the middle. <laughs> have, have, you, have you ever been reading a book? And you had to go back and check who the author was. Like, did it change speakers? Did it change characters? Did I miss something? I had that moment in Job. Because in chapter one, he's like, the Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You're like, praise God. We need to be like Job. And then the next chapter, he's like, cursed is the day that I was born. I'm like, Hold on, it's the same guy. <laughs> he it was like, cursed is the man that congratulated my mother when she was expecting. Job said, I wish I would have died in my mother's womb instead of experiencing this day. Now, some of us, that's hard to understand. But if you've ever had a day, you understand it just a little bit. It's a roller coaster ride. You're good one day, not good the next. Faith one day, doubting the next. Job is having some complaints. Let me give you a few of them. Job said in his, uh, in his argument, he basically says, I didn't deserve this, God. Job says, God, if you were to take all the good that I've done and put on a scale with all the bad that I've done, he said the good would outweigh the bad. He says, God, the day that I greatly feared has come upon me. 
He says, God, you have afflicted me in a way that no man can hinder. He says, God, you you've afflicted me so much that I, I can't even sleep at night. He says, God, I'm a righteous man and the wicked man travaileth in trouble. He was saying, God, you're treating me like I'm a wicked man. He has some complaints. Go to Job chapter nine. Job chapter nine. Job is trying to get an answer from God. And we will examine, Lord willing, we'll examine this more tonight from the book of Hebrews. But Job chapter nine, Job is trying to get an answer from God and he runs into a problem. Here's his problem. Verse 32. For he is not a man as I am, that I should answer him and we should come together in judgment. Neither is there any daysman betwixt us that might lay his hand upon us both. This is Job's problem. Job says, God, I want to question you and ask you why this is happening to me. But here's my problem. You're not a man like I am. He says, God, if, if a man did what you're doing to me, I have to go see that man. He says, you're not a man like I am. And then he says this. Neither is there a daysman betwixt us. He's saying, God, not only am I such a small man and you're such a big God. He says, God, there's no one in between us to reason and reconcile between us. Can I tell you, if you are a child of God, that word daysman, it comes from the same word as a mediator in the New Testament. There is one mediator between God and man. That's the man, Christ Jesus. And I'm telling you, if you ever have your day, if you ever have your trouble, if you ever have your pain in Christ, you have a mediator. Look now, he's 100 percent God. That means he can 100 percent man. That means he can grab your hand. But he's also 100 percent God. He can reach up and grab God's hand and he can reason between the two. I don't know about you, but I sure I'm glad that I have a daysman. Look, there are some people who look at believers and say, I don't know how you can be a Christian and experiencing that trouble and, and, and still believe in God. And I say, I don't know how you can go through trouble and not be a Christian. Because here's the truth. It rains on the just and the unjust. Look, whether you're saved or whether you're lost, trouble is going to come. But here's the thing. When you are a child of God on your day, you have help. Because you have a daysman. You have a mediator between the two. Job, back over in chapter 38, he's been trying to get an answer from God. And in Job chapter 38, God answers him out of the whirlwind. Get this now. Job says, God, I have some questions for you. And if you were to just scan Job chapter 38 when God starts speaking, the majority of the verses end with what? A question mark. Now, let me remind you, Job is not speaking. God is speaking from the whirlwind. Job says, God, I have a question for you. God says, no, Job, I got some questions for you. And here's the thing. Job, God would say, Job, and not only do I have questions for you, I'm going to demand an answer when I get done questioning. Look, we can all question God, but no one is big enough to demand him to answer. But God is saying, Job, I'm going to question you and demand an answer. It's some verses. Now, I may have a strange sense of humor, but <laughs> it's some verses in here that just make me laugh. I'll highlight a few of them for you. Look at verse 38, chapter 38, verse 2. Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? You know, you know what he's saying right there? Who's this doing all this talking and don't know what they're talking about? Aren't y'all glad I didn't write the Bible? He says, gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. He says, boy, pull up your pants. He says, when I get done questioning you, I want you to answer me. He says, where was thou when I laid the foundation of the earth? Declare it, if thou hast understanding. He says, Joe, when I was creating this world, you wouldn't question me then. Now you got something to say. You don't understand any of this stuff, but now something comes into your life. Now you want all this understanding. He, he says, he says in verse number, verse number six, where upon are the foundations thereof fastened or who laid the corners thereof? 
or who shut up, verse number eight, or who shut up the sea with doors when it break forth as it had issued out of the womb? Verse 11, and said, hitherto, speaking to the sea, shalt thou come, but no further. He says, Job, who told the sea to stop right there? Job, I want an answer. <laughs> One of my favorite ones is down in verse number 35. He says, canst thou send lightning that they may go and say unto thee, here we are. He says, Job, I have the power to say, lightning come to me. Lightning comes to me. And it stops and says, here we are. He says, Job, do you speak lightning? <laughs> now, when we get over, God's just going to ask all these questions. You should read through them. If you read through, you'll even find a unicorn. Now, I search for it. Where's Waldo? Right? All right. Look at verse number chapter 40. <laughs> Sometimes I forget I'm not speaking to only teenagers. Y'all forgive me. <laughs> But chapter 40, the Bible says, moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, shall he that contended with the almighty instruct him? If you have kids for over three years, you know what he's saying. So now you're going to tell me what to do. He says, he that reproves God. Remember, he said, I want to answer. Let him answer. Job said, I got questions for you, God. God says, no, Job, I got questions for you. But now, Job, it's time for you to answer me. Look at what Job says. Then Job answered the Lord and said, behold, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? He says, I will lay my hand upon my mouth. <laughs> Job said, God, what do you want me to say? I don't speak lightning. God says, give me an answer, Job. Job says, this is the only thing I can do. Just lay my hand on my mouth. You know what happened in these last two chapters, 38 and 39? God is wowing Job with God. And when you get so wowed and impressed by God, you can trust that God. Look, there's nothing wrong with questioning God and asking God why. He may give you an answer. He may not give you an answer. He may not give you the answer that you wanted. But in all of your discourse, at some point in time in that trial, you're going to have to do this. And just trust him. And just trust him. By the end of the story, Job gets what I call double for his trouble. You look at the chapter 42 and compare it with chapter uh, chapter one. He got twice as much as what he had in the end. I truly believe that God has something for every individual on the other side of every trial that they go to go through. But oftentimes we don't get through it like God intends for us to get through. it. I, I remember after and I'll close with this story after we lost our, our son, Jaden. Uh, not soon after we found out we were expecting um, our oldest girl now. And, of course, I began to pray and ask God, you know, give me a name. Uh, I want, I, for some reason, I always wanted my girls to have my initials and the boys to have my wife's initials. So my daughter is Eliana. My other daughter is Alyssa with the E. And I didn't think we had three girls in a row, so I'm struggling now. All right. <laughs> but um, I was coming back from preaching somewhere. And I text my wife. I said, let's name her Eliana. And I get back home, and we're just laying in bed. She says, oh, yeah, what does Eliana mean? I, said, I don't know. I just like it. It's Eve, Eddie, Ellie. Got a nice ring to it. So I did what we all do when we don't know the answer to something. I Googled it. <laughs> so I go on Google, and I type in, what does Eliana mean? And the name popped up, and it says, my God has answered. My God has answered. God saw us through it. Hard day, difficult day. But God, he saw us through it. What are you going to do when your day comes?
When your day comes, remind yourself, your day can't come unless God allows it. If God allowed it, that means you can handle it. And if God is walking with you on your day, you'll be just fine. May God help us to get through trials as God intends for us to get through. Father, we thank you for your word. God, I know we covered a lot of ground this morning, but God, I thank you for just things that we can find in your word that is so much help for us today. And God, I trust that things that I may have said that were not clear, God, I trust that your Holy Spirit would just make the difference there. And God, I imagine that there are many people here this morning that's gone through trials, gone through troubles. And God, we know that it's not just limited to one day. Even Job had another day. But God, may God, you just prepare us for the trials that are to come. Give us victory over trials that already came. And God, for those who are in a trial right now, God, I pray that you give them the strength and courage that they need to navigate their way through it. Help us now. We give the praise and honor for it. In your name, Jesus, we do pray.